Hey there, and welcome to the podcast for this Friday, March the 12th. Coming up, Justin Bieber says he no longer has a cell phone. Could we all learn something from taking a digital detox? Plus, two personal support workers going viral after posting a video for mocking COVID protocols at a local grocery store. And Netflix reportedly cracking down on password sharing. All of that coming up next here on the podcast. Good afternoon on this Friday. It is March the 12th. I'm Jeff MacArthur sitting in for Alan Carter, who no doubt saw the forecast and decided, you know what? Screw it. I'm not coming into work today. Are you crazy? Feels like double digits out there. Let MacArthur handle it. I'll take the day off. Man, it feels good out there uh, this afternoon. And uh, you know what? This weather the last couple of days, I think maybe just makes us all just a little more anxious for spring because we feel as if we're we're there, we're like this close. And another sign of spring, the clocks are going forward this uh, weekend. We are uh, jumping ahead, springing forward into daylight saving. Daylight saving, with no S, no plural, time. And uh, Mary, I don't know about you, but thanks to modern technology, this clock change thing springing forward just is not as much fun as it used to be. Yeah. I really appreciate that you, you remind us all of how to say it. Saving. <laughs> well, you know, here's yeah, the thing. Yeah, time change thing. Yeah, here's Crazy, the thing, though, really. with modern I mean, technology, if you will, sorry, is uh, the fact that uh, everything, like our phones, everything seem, seemingly automatically changes uh, anymore. Yeah. You, you don't have to fiddle with anything. Remember back in the day when, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it would take you like a full week just to figure out how to adjust your car radio? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the flashing on the uh, on the VHS, right? Right, Before yes. Time. That was always one of my favorite jokes was that, uh, yes, I did the spring forward, and now my VCR flashes one, 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 yeah. instead of the 12 that it yeah. used to. All but, the technology, so much smarter now, isn't it? Yeah, we, we used to actually, uh, back in the day, uh, we would do this uh, on our morning radio show, kind of back in the 90s when uh, everybody still had to fiddle with, uh, remember in the car... And it seems like every manufacturer had a different code. It's like you press the volume button and you use the bass level or something like that. Right, right. We actually had people like in a drive-through lineup, like at a, a coffee shop, that would automatically do it for you. That was like one of our public services. Wow. Yeah. Hey, you must have had like a ton of people. And like, yeah, <laughs> just fix my radio. Just set it to the right setting so it doesn't do the things that I don't want it to do. Thanks. Exactly, yeah. Here's your coffee. All right, so do not forget, we all jump, we spring an hour ahead, uh, early, early Sunday morning. Uh, Ottawa Public Health, want to mention them here this afternoon because they are trending. Do you remember this tweet? It kind of went viral just after the Super Bowl, just actually as the Super Bowl was uh, ending, because uh, Ottawa Public Health accidentally, and I'm using air quotes here now, mm-hmm. accidentally congratulated the Kansas City Chiefs for winning the Super Bowl And, of course, if you recall, it was not them, but it was Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who won. And then they blamed this gaffe, this embarrassing, horrendous gaffe, on an intern named Bruce (laughs) that they just identified as Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We finally know who Bruce is, and it turns out he's fairly recognizable. Listen to this. Hello, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Most of you may know me from that episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But what you likely don't know is that I often go by another name. Bruce. No, not the musician. 
No, not that one either. Um, no, I'm talking about Bruce from that Ottawa Public Health Super Bowl tweet. The Bruce who forgot to include the winning team name and the logo. That Bruce. Yes, that's me. And yes, I occasionally tweet from Ottawa Public Health. Why? Everybody does. <laughs> Look, about the Super Bowl, in my defense, these days, I'm just, I'm so busy. Okay, so just, so back off. Right, on Super Bowl Sunday, I just, I forgot. And while there's nothing I can do about that tweet now, there is something else I can do. Or, rather, something we all can do. We can do this. And we will do this. Steady as she goes, Ottawa. Steady as she goes. All right, so there you have it. We were pranked once again by Van City Reynolds, Mary. Ryan Reynolds, Ottawa yep. Public Health, in on it this entire time. Well, and not only the ultimate prankster when it comes to social media and emails and all kinds of digital you know, things that are out there to kind of fool us and beguile us, but he's also your doppelganger. Yeah, huh? right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have, I have heard that occasionally, but it's always with, uh, you look like Ryan Reynolds' dad. Oh, <laughs> but you know what? The gray hair. I'll take it. I will take it. But what is it with Ryan Reynolds? It seems like he pranks us like yeah. never mind every other week. It's like every other day. This guy has become like the master of the Internet prank. Yeah, he's genius. Absolutely genius. You know, he owned Aviator Gin. I don't know if you remember that. And he uh, would give out his email. You can email him. And so I, I took the bait. So if I get to email Ryan Reynolds and see if he'll come on the show, see if he'll come and talk to us about some exciting thing that he's doing, talk about sick kids, all these other charities and whatnot. And of course, I got an email back. I'm like, oh, I got an email back from Ryan Reynolds. Does it say oh, that in your inbox? Campaign. Does it say yeah. Ryan Reynolds from Ryan Reynolds? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. And it was just a whole campaign to get people to drink aviator gin. And you know what? He made so much money. He sold the company, made a ton of cash, and now he's <laughs> focusing on Ottawa Public Health, sick kids. It's amazing. Just genius. So much fun. Oh, absolutely. He has had a uh, lot of fun both pre and uh, during the uh, pandemic. And uh, there you have it. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, once again, uh, doing some good and uh, putting a smile on all of our uh, faces. Another famous Canadian, by the way, is also making some news on this Friday. I need you to hold on. Heaven is a place not too far away. We all know I should be the one to say we all make mistakes. Take my hand and hold on. Tell me everything that you need. Justin Bieber, he's got a brand new song. It's called Hold On. He's got a brand new album coming. What he doesn't have, Mary, is a cell phone. The Biebs, can't believe it. I know, is in the news here today saying that uh, he has done away with, he does not have a cell phone anymore. Could you imagine here in 2021 no. not having no. a smartphone or a cell phone? No, I can't. No. <laughs> Uh, 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 that's my sound of my head exploding. I, I don't know how he's doing it. I don't. Well, we know why he's doing it. He says that uh, he made this choice. It's a conscious decision because he wants to limit who can reach him. And he says that he has learned the value of boundaries. And it's really actually uh, helped his uh, mental health. And for more on all of that, we're joined now by our wellness expert, Laura DeSantis. She's on the line and joins us on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 
And first off, Laura, could you imagine being like the Biebs and not having a cell phone? I would love that. I would honestly do that. <laughs> but um, my life is quite different than Justin Bieber, so I can't imagine how much more added stress that he has on his plate. Yeah, well, uh, talk to us a bit about uh, why uh, he made this uh, move, because uh, he said that uh, he really now values uh, boundaries and he really wanted to limit who could uh, reach him. And that that's had some really positive effects on his life. Yeah, I was reading a few articles about this and Justin Bieber was saying that he wants to have a better work-life balance and he's focusing more on his health. So um, he's trying to also change his priorities and we're seeing this a lot more, not just with Justin Bieber, but a lot of people are doing these digital detoxes because they need more of that work-life balance and they realize that they need to focus on their mental health. So I think it's a great idea for Justin Bieber and for a lot of people about boundary setting and realizing that we don't always have to be on or available. Yeah. What exactly is a digital detox? Mm, That's a really great question. Um, I think it's when we talk about digital detox is that we have this horrible habit about spending any free time we have to check Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. We're literally hooked on um, these social media platforms and they help us fill this void. So a digital detox is really trying to cut this out uh, and trying to replace it with something else. So trying to spend more time with family or reading a book or spending time outside instead of constantly being attached and connected to our phones. Yeah. And what is the value of a digital uh, detox? Uh, What does it do for us? Um, I know personally for me, it really influences how I feel. I try to instill having like a tech-free morning. So the first thing when we wake up, we usually feel like we're always on. We need to check our emails. We need to check Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. So allowing ourselves to set the tone for the day by not checking uh, social media, I find really helps uh, for our mental health and our emotional health. And we feel a lot better instead of feeling like we have this FOMO effect that we're always uh, need to feel connected and reach out. Mm, that's interesting because what you're really doing, I think, is taking control of your life and your feelings uh, again, aren't you? Because, I mean, when you get up first thing in the morning, if you check your phone like so many people do, and then all of a sudden you've got FOMO or maybe, you know, you see some news stories that create some anxiety. It's these outside influences that really are kind of influencing uh, how you're feeling about your day rather than you. Yeah, 100%. And I think people realize, they need to realize at least like how much more productive they can be if you give yourself like a time limit on social media, um, really to recharge yourself, recharge those batteries. So take control of the platform. Don't let news feeds or social media distract you. And like having those breaks, I mean, it doesn't have to be 30 days. It could even be on the weekend, not looking at your social media, just being in the present moment, I find can really help. And it makes me feel like I believe more positive. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who just can't imagine not having a cell phone or uh, being, uh, you know, on social media all the time? Is it just that? Because it was a bit of a, I don't know, mind reset for me recently when I was just scrolling endlessly, you know, through Instagram or Twitter. And next thing you know, like half an hour, 45 minutes has gone by. And I just thought, like, what have I done with my time? Like, was that time well spent, really? And when you look at it that way, it really does kind of, I think, change your outlook on uh, social media and what you're doing with your digital device. Yeah, I agree with you. I think 
you know, asking yourself, um, you know, why am I going on these apps? Why am I on Instagram? Why, why am I on Twitter or Facebook? Am I being intentional with this? And tracking how much time you spend on your phone. So uh, there's different apps that you can do that with. I know on iPhone, you can even track how much you spend time on your phone. So check to see how many times you pick up your phone to unlock it, how many times a day or hours you spend or minutes um, on the app. I think that is alarming. And it will kind of make you take a look at things a little bit differently and realize, yeah, like you said, I spent 30 minutes to 45 minutes on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. And what did I do with this time? And how did it make me feel? Where Was I trying to connect with people? Was I just trying to check out and just scroll and gain some information? I think a lot of the time we need to ask ourselves, like, why are we doing this? Are we trying to use this as a distraction or are we doing this to connect or are we doing this because it makes us feel good? Mm, I love what you just said there about uh, using it with intention. And I think, you know, that's uh, so important. And uh, also when you look at uh, just mindlessly uh, scrolling like that uh, on your uh, digital uh, device, saying to yourself, because everything comes with an opportunity cost, right? What else could I have done with that 35, 45 minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, just finally, I wanted to ask you too about, uh, because one thing Bieber said in this uh, interview that uh, a lot of people are discussing today is that uh, he wanted to set these uh, boundaries and he checks in uh, now with an iPad, not uh, a uh, cell phone <laughs> with uh, his team. And uh, I, know, I know none of us, uh, for the most part, have got teams around us, but uh, I thought it was really interesting when he said, you know what, there's a certain time of day when I'm Justin Bieber pop star and now there's a, you know the rest of the day where I'm just Justin. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think he's really trying to adapt to this information overload that we all have and just allowing himself to and his brain to be more mindful and just to be in the present moment. And we see with technology and digital detoxes, we always have this strong compulsion to like pull out our phone or to check in or to be in touch. And I think with him and with a lot of people, we're taking this time now to seriously reflect, to be in the present moment, to sort out our thoughts. and he may be even asking himself, is this time that I'm on social media or when I'm constantly addicted to my phone, is it useful? Is this the best way for me to use technology? So uh, him and I think many people are really thinking critically about, you know, why are we um, always connected to our devices? And I think with him as well, he's trying to take more control of his life. And I think that makes it a lot easier. Without a doubt. Laura, appreciate it as always. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. You too. There's wellness expert Laura DeSanctis with us. You can find her on Instagram when you are scrolling at Go With Your Gut. There is anger, and I mean a lot of anger, over a video that has been posted online by two personal support workers, two PSWs, in Alliston, Ontario, who apparently uh, went into a uh, grocery store. We're not exactly sure how they got in there uh, unmasked to begin with, but they went into a grocery store and ignored and even mocked COVID protocols. Have a listen. Can you uh, last without wearing a mask? What's the question? We're already in. I'm here. I'm here. And chips. We need chips. COVID. We already did the whole walk in. Nobody said all. Because we don't give a No, we don't, do we? All right, as I mentioned, there's a lot of anger and a lot of frustration over this. Let's welcome in our friend, Dr. Ahmed Arya, a palliative care physician who specializes in long-term care. He joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Doctor, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. First off, just uh, your reaction to this video. 
Well, I mean, it, it is very shocking and appalling. And uh, of course, we all have a responsibility to follow, you know, safety protocols for COVID-19 um, in our workplaces and in the community. So I'm glad that, you know, the home is taking it seriously and addressing the inappropriate behavior. Um, I wanted to add that, of course, you know, these people are complete exceptions and not reflective of all PSWs, uh, you know, many of whom have been performing, you know, you know, performing this heroic frontline work with little pay and support through the pandemic. And I'd also add that, sadly, we've seen similar things with doctors and nurses as well. All right. This very good point about uh, personal support workers uh, in particular. You're absolutely right. But having said that, is the logical next uh, step in this that if you see two personal support workers who are ignoring, mocking COVID protocols when they're on their own time inside a grocery store, do you immediately jump to thinking about whether or not they're ignoring those protocols when they're at work, when they're there next to the very vulnerable in long-term care? Well, absolutely. I mean, that's the fear that, I mean, this could have led to um, infractions in infection control um, when, you know, they were caring for vulnerable seniors, people with disabilities, people who are extremely high risk from COVID-19. You know, what I think about, uh, Jeff, from a systems perspective here is that, you know, PSWs are not regulated. So um, we have a regulated health professionals act, act here in Ontario, which includes physicians, dentists, nurses, and many other uh, health professionals, but does not include PSWs, which means that they don't have a standard name, they don't have standard education, and uh, perhaps in this case, I mean, there's no sort of... Um, you know, disciplinary body that, you know, creates a professional code of conduct and ethics and professional standards of practice that's really important to protect the public. Yeah, if you have two personal support workers who are ignoring COVID protocols in their own time and then you're concerned about what's going on when they're in long-term care, is there, um, I don't know, some sort of procedure in place to make sure that personal support workers are are following the the rules and the guidelines necessary to keep everybody safe, just not the residents, but to themselves and their fellow workers and colleagues? Well, I mean, there's two sides to this uh, sort of conversation, Jeff. I mean, the first one is to recognize, once again, that the vast majority, in fact, almost all personal support workers that I've encountered uh, have been doing heroic work, um, working with little resources. I mean, I've, uh, you know, even, um, you know, as as late as December or January of 2021, uh, I spoke to sort of health workers and long-term care personal support workers who didn't have proper PPE and were still going into work and trying their best to mask and being provided a appropriate equipment. They were doing their best they could to care for vulnerable seniors. And that is by far reflective of the of the of the experience of the majority of the personal support workers. And, you know, a reminder that, you know, these are people that uh, sadly we've called heroes, but, you know, in many circumstances didn't have pay to, you know, pay their rent or, you know, they were ending up in the food bank lineup uh, through the pandemic, which is absolutely appalling. Um, in this situation, of, of course, there's some element of, of individual responsibility when the resources are provided to you. And, um, you know, that, that responsibility and that accountability really rests in the hands of the operator and, but, you know, basically whoever's employing them at this time. Yeah, I guess I'm just wondering, is there a certain protocol if a uh, long-term care home is in outbreak when it comes to things like PPE that uh, have been given to personal support workers? And is there follow-up? Because I know there's been, uh, and you and I have talked about this in the past, questions when it comes to uh, follow-up and uh, inspectors and uh, regulation in long-term care. 
Yeah, so there are protocols that are supposed to be developed, but this was this has been an ongoing issue, or it was an issue during the second wave of the pandemic, and of course, definitely the first wave, where um, you know these inf- there, there were egregious failures when it came to infection control, and in many circumstances, well-meaning PSWs, um, not people who were anti-maskers or people who didn't believe in COVID, people who were actually scared for their own lives, <laughs> trying to work, uh, you know, double and triple shifting on the front line for for little pay, were not provided enough support. Uh, in terms of um, what infection control means. Uh, Firstly, I mentioned the lack of PPE, but donning and doffing PPE is also a skill which requires supervision. And many of these health workers are caring for volumes, sheer volumes of patients where they're in a rush and there's no one watching them while they're doing this. And I can share with you just as a quick comparison, uh, when I'm working on the COVID-19 ward in my local hospital, as a comparison, we have, I mean, I have two nurses whose sole job is to help everyone don and doff their PPE and to watch them and supervise them. And honestly, they're, I mean, they're watching me like a hawk to make sure that I don't make mm-hmm. any errors in how I do this. But the health workers in long-term care are not afforded that luxury, very sadly. Just finally, Dr. Arya, I think this video is a reminder that uh, everybody, all of us, we've got a responsibility to do our best at all times when it comes to uh, protecting ourselves and others. But is there, I know, a little more extra responsibility when you are around the most vulnerable, when you're working in a place like long-term care or such as yourself uh, in a hospital or an ER situation? Yeah, I mean, I would like to think so. That's how I've been trained as a as a physician, and I'm sure my colleagues who are you know health workers, not just physicians, but nurses and you know other other health professionals would agree with me. Um, you know, we have under like for example, my regulatory body, the the College of Physicians and Surgeons, uh, very clearly states that we have a fiduciary relationship with our patients and their families, which means that it's a one way street. Right. The patients and their families owe me nothing and I owe them everything to try to serve them. And that's really how, um, you know, we have to think about our work in healthcare. And in a crisis, we are honestly are obligated to go above and beyond, and we should. And that's not to say that health workers aren't burning out and don't deserve better supports. Of course we do. But I'm just sort of telling you about the rules, and that's where many people have been talking about it for a while, that we need to regulate PSWs as well, which would standardize their care and would make sure that they're meeting professional obligations. All right. Well said, as always. Dr. Ari, appreciate the time and the perspective. Have a safe weekend. Thank you so much, Jeff. Dr. Ahmed Ari is a palliative care physician who specializes in long-term care. You know, every time I hear vertigo, we were talking about this earlier this week. I've seen you two way too many times, 14 times, and I'll see them again once we could go back to a concert, uh, hopefully. But uh, I was so lucky, like in 2004, I got to take uh, winners to New York City for the uh, unveiling of how to dismantle an atomic bomb. And vertigo, it was funny, we had this... Uh, you know, big Saturday night deal where we uh, hung out with the uh, band and they played the new album and it was this coast-to-coast radio special we got to sit in on. And then the next morning, my hotel, there was a message that, uh, hey, if you can stick around, uh, the band is going to play a secret show underneath the Brooklyn Bridge. I think I can stick around. I think I can change my plans. Yes, thank you. I I missed the flight home. Because, yeah, you're going to stick around for that. And uh, every time I hear Vertigo, I think about uh, Bono singing that uh, song. And kind of like where the streets have no name, that video just brought traffic to a standstill. There were people got out of their cars on the Brooklyn Bridge and were literally like doing this, just uh, hanging over, watching the show. Did they open up with Vertigo? 
Yeah, they had to do it twice because the first time didn't go so well. Uh, but they were just kind of learning the song. It was new, right? Exactly. And New album. And we didn't care. It's like play it three times. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were filming it, I think, for an MTV thing or, or something like that. But yeah, good times. And uh, hopefully we can get uh, back to those uh, sometime soon here with the uh, vaccines uh, arriving. Also earlier this week, we were talking about Disney Plus cracking the 100 million subscriber mark after only 18 months. And now, here today on this Friday, we've got some uh, pretty interesting streaming news that you will want to pay attention to if you're a Netflix subscriber. Here's our tech expert, Adam Oldfield. He's got the details and joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Adam, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for being here as always. Uh, Tell us, uh, Netflix, uh, what's going on here? They're going to crack down on people and their password sharing? Well, it appears that they had their brownies and coffee in the shareholders meeting, and apparently somebody raised a concern that they've been sharing passwords amongst one user, and they're starting to feel the pinch. I guess, you know, when you start to make into the billions, you got to step back a bit and go, wait a minute, we could be in the trillions. So what's happening is Netflix is starting to realize that it was cute at the beginning. We understood that many people would sign up for Netflix and maybe pass their login uh, and passwords maybe to their parents, or in some cases, the children would give it to the parents uh, or reverse. And so what Netflix has kind of let go for years, they're starting to crack down on. And that's specifically how they're doing it, Jeff, is that you might have seen if you've signed into into Netflix, go to watch a show, and you might see it today, uh, that it will state uh, you need to get an access code. Similar to signing into your bank or signing into your uh, email address, it will say, we're going to send you a text or an email with a code, a four-digit code that you can enter uh, to be able to access it. Because in the terms and conditions, when we sign up for it, it says that you are uh, allowed to have five devices, depending on the plan you purchase, um, but they have to be in the same household. So this is something Netflix is now gripping with the fact that it's time to uh, live up to our terms and conditions, and they're just doing a pilot project. So don't no one get too concerned of, oh, no, what's that mean? There's an option that you can actually say, yeah, 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 I'll do it later. However, expect it to be something that anyone signing up with Netflix, you're going to need to confirm it's actually your account. Okay. Well, take us back to the beginning, Adam, and why did Netflix allow this to start with because this has always confounded i think a lot of people i mean if you want to sell subscriptions why would you uh, allow password uh, sharing into the extent that netflix did and for as long as they have great question and i think the answer is very simply they needed volume subscribers there was always a bit of a theory behind what netflix model (laughs) was never going to make it in fact in the beginning when netflix first came on the market um, remember, it began with a you'd rent a DVD and they'd you know mail it back when you're done with it. Right. So when they went to the streaming service, this was a really revolutionary uh, system that a lot of the cable people didn't look at it and kind of snuffed at it. Went nah, it's not a big deal. Very similar to when the iPhone came out. And and BlackBerry thought, nah, your iPhones, they're just toys. It's just a toy. No one's going to be serious about it. And so Netflix was in that same mindset. You got to, you know, kind of give everyone a little taste of what it's going to be. So they didn't police it, but the terms have always been there. Those conditions have, have not changed. So this is something which Netflix is now 
you know, they're in a, we're in a competitive market. It's almost streaming is the way to do things. It is the market to go for. Um, and now they're starting to say, hey, we now need to put our, uh, our rules in place uh, because they are technically, you've all agreed to it. If you're a Netflix subscriber, you've accepted this. We're now just going to enforce it. By the way, Jeff, if you pay attention to the small wording when they tell you you need to do it, it's for your own protection. We want to make sure your Netflix account didn't get hacked. So right, right, yeah. Safety. It's for our safety, our protection, not the protection of their bottom line. Uh, <laughs> is that why now? Like, that's the other question is, why are they doing this now? Is it simply what you said earlier, Adam, that they figured they can take this, uh, you know, company that's worth billions and turn it into something that's worth trillions? Absolutely. I think a lot of homes have depended on Netflix. In fact, I mean, just during the pandemic alone, it went up by 42%. I mean, you brought up uh, about Disney Plus and, and the 100 million subscribers in 18 months. Uh, Netflix has some competition right now, but they've got 200 million subscribers and they're worldwide. So this is, uh, uh, they've got a global connection. It's almost a verb now, very similar to uh, Google. It's almost uh, a reference to watching TV online is now Netflix, which YouTube used to be. Netflix has gained such momentum and credibility with it. So the fact of the matter is Netflix has now that, that foundation that they've now been in the market for over seven years. People have now accepted the fact that, oh yeah, you gotta get Netflix if you're moving into your new apartment or uh, your children are moving off to go to university or college eventually, uh, then they're gonna need a Netflix account. You know, the days of you need to sign up for cable are, I wanna say non-existent, but it's more common for that. So Netflix is now in a position where it's accepted. It's almost, uh, I need my Netflix, I love my shows. Now, mind you, that's still up for debate as to the quality of the content that Canada gets versus the U.S., but that's still, it's, it's more of a common thing right now in the House. All right. Exactly how are they going to achieve this or do this? You mentioned something about an access code, because if you've already got a password that has been working, and again, this is a pilot project uh, for now, how are they actually going to stop people from using or overusing just one password? Well, first of all, yes. When you sign in with your account, you were obviously used an email address. In your account, you have your billing information, and with it, you have a password. So um, with family and friends, what you've probably done is said, oh, here's my email address and my password. Um, when they sign in, it sends an email that someone signed into your Netflix account. You get a notification. Um, not to mention the fact that Netflix also set it up that we have multiple devices, and we can watch it on whether it's a, a laptop, a cell phone, a computer, uh, a, a, you know, an Amazon fire stick whatever we may look at so amazon or sorry is uh, netflix has set it up that it was working on all of these different platforms so to to do this uh all they gotta just do is the phone number there's a phone number associated with your account obviously for secondary reasons of of uh, proving who you are um it will prompt you to uh, to say, how would you like to get your code or how would you like to get your, it's called 2FA, uh, two-factor authentication. So uh, when you go to sign in and you say, I want to, you know, click, go to my, you know, my profile, uh, it will pop up with a, uh, how would you like to get your four-digit code? Would you like a text or would you like an email registered with the account? So if you don't have access to either of those, um, you're going to have to obviously prompt your mom, your dad, your friend, your cousin, uh, Billy down the street. Uh, hey, uh, can I get that code? Right. I'm trying to watch my show. That's where it's going to be a deterrent. All right. So it's a pilot project for now. But is there any doubt in your mind that Netflix is really going to crack down on this on this password sharing? One million percent. 
This is this is going to uh, this is an upsell on Netflix's uh, uh, you know uh, process is that if you don't get the code and they say if you don't have access to the phone number or the text or the email address in the text please sign up for your own streaming account. It's now easy, accessible, and so forth. It's almost like going through a drive-thru and asking if you'd like to get a jelly with that coffee. So it's an upsell. It's, in, it's important that Netflix has a bottom line. They're not out there uh, trying to sell advertising. So this is a real push right now to get those, uh, those market share uh, increase for Netflix to get more subscribers and further the bottom line for the shareholder. All right. Adam Oldfield with us on this Friday. Adam, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great weekend, man. Yeah, you as well. Uh, Mary, Dave, uh, how about uh, both of you when it comes to uh, streaming? Because we've all been doing so much, uh, I think, uh, streaming, television watching uh, during the uh, pandemic. Uh, Mary, do you have like multiple streaming services? Uh, and is there anything that you're binging right now? Yeah, we have multiple streaming surfaces. You know, we're trying to just, you know, enjoy as much as we can at home. And uh, I got to tell you, I, I spent a lot of time with The Crown. Uh, right. And uh, back to our earlier conversation, anything and everything with Ryan Reynolds, binging on that. <laughs> uh, and, and another thing uh, I'm really enjoying is uh, Swedish Dicks. It's a TV show, a plot with uh, two unlicensed Swedish private investigators right, trying yes. to make a living in Los Angeles. It's so funny. Just like the title. What? <laughs> and the series is a lot of fun on Netflix. There you go. All right. Got to check it out. I haven't heard of that. Uh, Dave, how about Very you? Funny. You uh, binging anything on streaming? Uh, I'm just rewatching Curb Your Enthusiasm on Crave, and Ooh, I'm yeah. starting to get into Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm getting to the older shows. I don't have Netflix. I canceled it. Um, I just wasn't watching it enough. And then they canceled one of my favorite shows on their glow. Uh, they didn't renew it for season four. All right. Um, so, so uh, are you looking for somebody's password to share? Or, oh, if sorry, too late. To share. Too oh. late. <laughs> just text me it. <laughs> yeah, I've been streaming. Uh, actually, I was binging a little while back now, but uh, worth recommending uh, The Undoing. Have either of you watched that with Nicole Kidman and uh, Hugh Grant? No. Is that on Netflix? Oh, so good. Uh, no, it's on uh, Apple TV. Okay. I think it's on um, HBO. Okay, okay. So good. Uh, and you can watch it. Just, you know what I like is when they do like a series now that's like only five or six episodes. So it doesn't seem, you know, like 24 back in the day. It'd be like, I have not that much time to, to devote to this series. But if they do a really good series in like yeah. four or five or six episodes, yeah. you can spend a week watching it for an hour uh you know, for, for a week every night, that's perfect. And you know what I find too, Jeff, with those kind of production values that they put into place for a shorter run series is that they're just going to really knock it out of the park with every episode because right. they only have a limited number of episodes to tell the whole story in. Yeah, and they're so good at hooking you because you want to just save it for the next night, but you're like, Ooh, maybe I want to watch one more episode. I just got to see what happened here. It's cliffhanger. <laughs> and then it's so late. You go to bed so late. Yeah. <laughs>